Welcome to Season 3 of Bridge the Gap, a podcast dedicated to inform, educate, and influence the future of housing and services for seniors. Powered by our supporting partners, TIS Insurance, Morrison Living, NRC Health, One Day, Argentum, The Bridge Group Construction, and Salinity. Find out more about this podcast at btgvoice.com. Welcome to Bridge the Gap Podcast, the senior living podcast with Josh and Lucas on a special week edition on culture during a crisis. And we thought we were going to have Lori Alford on the program, but I think we have Madonna. What is happening? (laughs) You know, right now, every life is a little crazy. And so we thought we'd bring some light and laughter to it, but (laughs) I love it. We love you, Lori. I'm here. She's here. There's Lori. Okay. We got Lori Alford with Avanti. She's an alumni to the, to the podcast and one of our highest downloaded episodes of all time because of a great leader that you are in the business. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for coming back on the program. And, uh, we've got a lot to talk about and, uh, relating to culture during a crisis. Lori, tell our audience what has been happening at Avanti. Uh, well, it's been a little bit crazy, um, much like everybody else, um, you know, but what, you know, I think outside of the normal COVID word, and I'm sure we're all sick of hearing that word. Um, so definitely don't want to kind of talk about that side, but on the flip side, you know, crisis causes a lot of things. Crisis causes more crisis. It exposes weaknesses it drives change and it, it really spotlights strengths. And during this time, we have found that our culture is, is really strong. And during this time, our culture has gotten stronger. And truth be told, when this all started back in, you know, end of February, beginning of March, I was scared. I was a little nervous. Um, I wasn't sure how our teams were going to adapt. I wasn't sure how our teams were going to show up. And when the states were basically saying, hey, at the end of the day, no matter what, you're still responsible to maintain your staffing. I laid awake quite a bit at night wondering what we were going to do should we have, you know, our team not really show up because they were afraid. And I knew that every other operator in my markets and around the country were thinking the same thing. So, you know, it was trying to think of ways to be different. Um, and honestly, I'm not sure I came up with a great game plan, but what I do know is I haven't had to use them um, because our teams have showed up. They've showed up. Um, they continue to show up. We have the lowest overtime in the history of the company. Uh, we have the least amount of call-offs. Our, you know, positions are filled. Um, and I'm really extraordinarily proud of our teams um, and not just Avanti's teams, but really any, any um, frontline team member or folks that work in the community, just in our industry, just really proud of them during this time. Well, I know that uh, a part of that is, as we talked a little bit off mic is, is that you've created what I would call like a safe place, a safe environment where your team feels like they're safe and are they're willing to give their all. How, um, at the beginning of this crisis, what are a couple of things that you did tangibly to make them feel that way? Certainly. So, you know, bigger picture is if you, if you really study wartime or times of crisis, and, and meaning like World War II or the financial crisis or 9-11, people, people look to their leader to provide direction, 
to provide hope and to provide the clear path in a very um, simple way, but in a very confident way that's going to get them there. And so very early on with this, you know, that was really kind of our structure around everything that we did. And part of that was how do we create safety for for our team members? And our mantra was kind of, you know, our people come first, because if our people are safe, then their families are safe because that's who they go home to. And ultimately, our residents will be safe. So how do we create safety for everyone? And very early on, before the uh, states mandated, before the market, other competitors kind of set the path, we bubbled up our buildings. And what bubbled up our buildings meant to us was not just limiting family members from coming in and out or vendors. We basically said, hey, Let's choose one home health company, one hospice company. And from those companies, one person. So we called those companies, uh, whoever it was in each of our marketplace and said, we need you to designate us one person, seven days a week. And that person, we only want them coming to Avanti. We don't want them going um, to service people at another community. We don't want them going into someone else's home or a hospital We want them to go from their home to Avanti and that's it. And we were very fortunate that we have great partners and relationships. um, And we were, you know, each of the vendor of choice uh, provided that. And we switched all of our residents in the building to that one home health person or that one hospice person, whichever was needed. But it was a way that we, again, helped to eliminate the people coming and going into our building, which then decreased the odds of people being asymptomatic and shedding the virus onto not just our residents, but also, you know, onto our team members. And so that was a, that was a big pivot. And, and truth be told, that was very difficult for the team to wrap their head around our wellness directors. They got the concept of it. Um, They liked the concept of it. But when you actually have to do the concept, it, it brought its own challenges and a different way of thinking. And how do you communicate that to families? And how do you communicate that to the, the folks that were shifting off of, you know, the services that weren't coming in the building, and, but yet maintaining that relationship, you know, and helping to really paint the picture that our job is to protect our residents and team and we're creating a bubble and this is how we're doing it. So between that and then our telehealth, which we, um, you know, opened up to all of our residents, not just our residents, though, we also allowed telehealth to all of our team members. Most of them choose not to have insurance. And our thought was, let's keep them out of the hospital. Let's keep them out of the doctor's offices. So if they have symptoms or are just sick, it doesn't matter free of charge, we're going to provide them access to a doctor that we know and trust to keep them out of, you know, harm's way from going places that, that, you know, perhaps was more of a probability of, of kind of um, having COVID exposed to them. Um, So, you know, when the team saw these measures and not just our wellness director, but our frontline team members, because all of this stuff was communicated to them, it really built trust and it built safety and it, it not, it supported our people, our people come first mantra. And they saw that and they saw we were willing to take big risks and big thinking very early on to do so. 
And I think that's just another reason why our team members are showing up and they feel safe and they continue to show up and they continue to help each other and, you know, remind each other of, you know, washing your hands, wearing your masks, social distancing, all these things that we've had to learn along the way. But, you know, we've kind of operated as one. And that's been another another message that we're, we're sending is, you know, Avanti one. We're all one in this. Wow. So uh, an amazing story and um, appreciate your leadership. And I can, I appreciate your transparency too, because as, as leaders in the industry or really in, in any business, um, I think a lot of times, um, and I know you're in this case and we're in this case, you're expected to kind of be this fearless leader that takes charge and takes the helm and makes decisions. But um, we all feel the same emotions uh, of uncertainty and, as you said, sleepless nights, but you have to make a decision. And kudos to you for making a um, proactive rather than a reactive decision to, um, as you say, bubble up um, the community before it was actually required in a mandate. And obviously that instilled so much confidence um, in you and your team. Um, what are some... I would say leadership lessons, some tough things you've had to do um, specifically through this as a leader that maybe are not the popular things to do or or maybe the tough things and you're, you're wondering, wow, am I taking a, an undue risk here to make this kind of decision or, or to take on this fight? Well, one, um, I had to fire myself as the homeschool teacher. So that took about five minutes for me to recognize that. That was a very tough decision, but a very welcomed one. So I am not the homeschool teacher in my household of my two junior high kids. They are they are self-taught. <laughs> that was number one. That was learned very quickly out of the gate. You do what you do best and you trade for the rest. And that was not my forte. Um uh, but in all seriousness, you know, we've had, we've had a couple, um, I've had definitely, you know, I've had my own moments of undesirable leadership moments, as I call them. Um, you know, everyone's faced with stress. Everyone processes stress differently and everyone is faced with it. You know, everyone has the uncertainty. Everyone is adapting, especially in our communities. You know, I often tell my friends that have had to learn how to work from home. I'm like, my home office has had to learn to work from home. But in addition to that, we still have operating communities that have basically had to learn how to operate all over again. New policies and procedures. They don't have access to things they're used to. Residents can't do the things that they're so used to. They're, they're kind of freedom, so to speak, even within our own four walls. Um, so it causes a lot of stress to everybody and um, recognizing that and, and really helping the team get through that. And we, we try to do it with some humor um, and we try to do it with just providing that clear path. But probably one of the biggest things through this whole process reflecting back would be we had a situation um, with a resident that needed he needed to go out and he did. And what we shared with the family was if, if he goes out, we're going to need a negative test before he comes back. Um, and, and this is a very recent story. So the testing is, is available. And um, the, the family member was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the Friday came and we got a phone call from the family member who said, hey, 
ready for, you know, the resident to come back. And we said, no. And the family member was shocked. Who, you know, who, who tells a family member, no, these days, that doesn't happen in our business. And it certainly doesn't happen to him very often. And so uh, we said, we need, we need a test. And he said, fine, I'm going to call my attorney. I'm going to contact the media. And we said, okay. So sure enough, Saturday afternoon, I got a love letter from an attorney in my email box, basically saying that um, we were, you know, we didn't have the right to prevent the resident from coming back. They didn't have symptoms and, um, you know, he has the right to come back. And Sunday afternoon, we issued a letter back that said, sorry, but our job is to protect not just your family member, but all of our residents and all of our staff and our staff's family because they go home to family and we cannot take your, your family member back. And um, so Monday afternoon, seven constables showed up to our building and had a court order because he had, he had filed a motion in the court for a right of reentry, and it was approved to the judge. We, we didn't know this, so we didn't have a seat at the table to talk about it, um, but it was an emergency order, and um, we said no. <laughs> and I think everyone was a little bit shocked because they had in hand a piece of paper that said, you know, this needed to happen, and the seven constables and the attorney said, to be clear, you're not going to take the resident back. And we said, no, we don't have a negative test. That's our policy. Again, our job is to prevent, you know, and to uh, protect the rest of our community. This isn't about money, has zero to do with money. We don't want your money while you're out. We will, you know, give you that money back. What's more important to us is the safety. And, And we've been COVID free and still remain COVID free in all six of our buildings throughout this entire um, crisis. So the next day, um, the attorney filed another uh, uh, motion in a, in a district court. And that afternoon we were again served with another kind of order that he needed to you know, enter into our building. And we said no, and actually got the a judge um, got a hold of the judge before the day ended and kind of pleaded our case really quickly. And she said, okay, I'll pause this. We called for an emergency hearing and got the emergency hearing for the next day. And so it was a virtual hearing through like a Zoom. It's kind of interesting um, because no one wanted to go face to face in the courthouse. And um, she heard her case and basically said, you know, at the end, is there any way that you guys can try to work together? So she kind of sent us off to, to see what other options we had. We said, you know, let them leave the hospital, go home with the son, get them tested. You know, we really all we have is we need the negative test because we want to stand by our word. And uh, she was supposed to rule that night and she didn't. And then Thursday morning came and went and she hadn't ruled. And Thursday afternoon, we got news that she actually ruled in our favor. And we did not have to take the resident back until he produced a negative COVID test um, because our interest was in the best interest and the safety and security of our whole building, not just him. And um, after that, the attorney withdrew the motion in the other courthouse and the the contempt of court, by the way, because 
he had filed a contempt of court because we told the judge, no, we weren't taking him on the first day. So um, I, it was a great win. Um, I think it's a great win for our industry. Typically the law sometimes doesn't always um, side very often in our favor and most things are settled. But um, despite, you know, threats of legal action, despite threats of the media showing up to the building, we stood by what we felt was the right thing. And we sent that message to them and we shared that with our team members. And ultimately, at the end of the day, we ended up winning. And I think it was a huge win, not just for us, Avanti, but just for our industry, because it shows if you do the right thing and you're protecting the resident there is hope in the legal system that sometimes they will side with you. Well, congratulations, Lori, on winning on principle, as I would refer to it, as so often in our industry, you know, we 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 just don't want to take on the fights um, for whatever reason, and and it's hard to do that, and it's time consuming, and and the threats, uh, you know, oftentimes are are threatening, and you know, we there's the fear, and so. Um, we appreciate you doing that. Obviously, it sounds like from talking with you, um, even off mic, that it was a success story ultimately for your community and for that resident who's back healthy and happy living in your community. Um, so, so yeah, that's really um, interesting. So let's let's backtrack for just a minute. I want to digress um, because. You know what was what was that conversation like um, when all this was going on with you as the leader talking with that administrator and, and the team there? How was that transaction? Yeah, so you know I'm I'm kind of wired for disruption, so threats you know don't necessarily um, get me so to speak, and so my initial reaction was kind of you know it's on like Donkey Kong, like let's move forward, right? And so. Um, because to me, it was, it was, it was the principle. That's what it was. And, and I, you know, and wanting to protect my people. And, um, so we got our director of wellness and our executive director on a call with the attorney and we kind of shared with the attorney what was going on. And the attorney definitely said, yes, this is something we can do. You know, if you guys want to do this, let's do it. And my initial reaction is always like, yes. And I had to kind of pause, um, because at the end of the day, it's not my building. I don't work in the building. I don't see the family member. You know, I don't have the connection with the resident. Um, and I said to my team, you know, if you want to move forward, I will support you. But if you don't, because you you don't want to deal with this, that's okay too. There's no wrong or right. What do you want to do? Because whatever you want to do, I want you to know that Avanti is going to support you. And hands down, they said, absolutely, we want to do this because it sends a message to even our own team members. You know, this is the policy we're we're sharing with all of our team that we're requiring people to have. And if we deviate, what message does that send to them? But if we stand by this and if we're forced from the from a judge to take them, well, we weren't we didn't make that decision. Someone else made it for us. Thankfully, you know, the judge sided in our favor and our policy was enforced and it was a winning situation all the way around. Well, I'm telling you, um, a a great example of culture in crisis and how you can't wait until the crisis comes and expect the culture to be there. So, 
you all have been paving the way. And ever since I've known you, which has been years, um, you beat that drum, Lori. And so kudos. And um, it, it's it's amazing to me, um, too, that through all of this, um, I haven't really spoken to too many um, community leaders that have especially multiple buildings that are um, COVID-free. And um, so we pray that uh, that continues uh, for your community and for your team members. And uh, gosh, we so appreciate um, the time you've taken away uh, from your busy schedule to, to share a little bit of insight with our listeners. Yeah, well, this is back to business. About three weeks ago, we're in our third week, you know, we kind of shifted to we can't continue to focus on crisis anymore. You know, we're bubbled up. We feel good about what we're doing. Do we still have to adapt to change if it's required? Absolutely. Um, one of our core values is drive and embrace change. So our, our folks are, you know, designed for that. But, you know, I told the team, if we keep focusing on the crisis at hand, you know, one day, and there, there will be a day that this will be over and our doors will open. So we've got to focus on what's on the other side of those doors. And we need to be tilling the soil. We need to be, you know, fertilizing and nurturing it. So when the doors open, we, we're, we're standing in front of beautiful flowers because we've, we've worked hard to till it versus doing nothing to focus on the future. And when you open the doors, it's just a bunch of burnt grass. And so to do that, we've had to really shift everyone's mindset back to kind of how it used to be. You know, we still have reports that need to be sent. We still are a business. So we have our P&L calls. We still need to discuss spin downs and we need to discuss our marketing plans and all of our KPIs that every department has. Now, they've been modified to a COVID KPI, but we've got to get back to kind of focusing on a business because one, that's what we are. And two, it's just healthy for the mind. And three, we got to focus on, focus on the future. And, you know, let's, let's have some really great looking flowers when we open those doors and we're ready to rock and roll. That's great words, Lori, and very, very encouraging. And I will just say personally, this has been very, it gave me energy for today because, you know, all of our conferences are postponed right now. And you're one of my favorite people when we get to the conference, you're always so energetic yeah, we, you can expect an awesome hug from Lori and <laughs> a great pat on the back and a, Hey, how, how you doing? And, uh, you know, a lot of us in the industry are, we're missing those interactions right now that we look forward to at these great conferences that we go to, to see all of our friends. So it's great to see you this morning and it's great to get this update. And I know that this is really encouraging and some great lessons learned and best practices for our audience. Yeah. Thank you. It's nice to see you guys as well. So and then thanks for adapting, right? You too have had to adapt to the change to keep things going because I'm I know our all your listeners will miss your podcast if you don't keep them going. So I'm glad you guys are keeping them going, even though you can't necessarily record at the conferences. So thanks for thinking differently. <laughs> Thank you, Lori. Well, it's uh it's it's our pleasure. We love what we do. Absolutely. Yeah, well, you guys use your voice because right now you know, our industry, it needs help. You know, we, we need, we need some good messaging out there that senior housing is a great thing. It's not something that you should go and, you know, 
remove your parents from because of, you know, the virus. And it's not something that is awful. You know, operators are doing the best that we can with the very few resources that are given to us. And I have to say our industry, I'm so proud of it because the people have reached out. We have, you know, we too are one, you know, I've helped operators find stuff. Operators have helped me source stuff. We're sharing information and it's not just on the supply front. It's, Hey, what are you doing for your team member here? Hey, what are you doing, you know, to recruit people? What are you, you know, what's your strategy here? How are you protecting people? And everyone has been so open kimono, which is a little different for our industry because a lot of times we tend not to be, we don't like to share our dirty, but operators are stepping up and saying, what, what do you have? You know, how can we work together and sharing of information? And it's, it's been great to see that. I just really hope that we can get out into the public sector um, and the news sources that, you know, sharing these great stories about how awesome our industry is. Totally agree. Well, thanks again uh, for being always a great example of leadership and culture. And obviously that shines during difficult times. So um, thanks for joining us today. Yep, you bet. All right, to our listeners, thanks for listening. We'll make sure that we connect in the show notes to Lori and her team. And if you have any questions, follow us at btgvoice.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're thinking of you, praying for you, and we hope you have a great day. Thanks for listening to Bridge the Gap. For a full library of episodes, merchandise, and the 2020 conference tour schedule, visit btgvoice.com. Join the conversation on social media by following at BTG Voice, and we'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode.